Hi, everybody. Um, we got Tim here with, with me as well. Of course, I'm Brian, and we have a very special guest. It's the uh, first reoccurring guest on uh, Epic Turn. I'd uh, like to say hello to uh, uh, Jamie Stegmeyer, if assuming I'm saying that last name correctly again. You are indeed, yeah. Jamie Stegmeyer from Stillmeyer Games. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming back. I'm we, I'm honestly a little surprised you agreed to come back. Um. <laughs> no, I, I it was I don't know if the listeners know, but the last time we talked, we were sitting on the floor of a hallway at Gen Con, just having a little. I, I think the microphone was sitting on the ground in between us. And <laughs> yes, so yes, it was. I'm a little more comfortable right now. Right. It was nice little powered. Yeah. No, I don't know. We had a lot of fun in the conversation. Uh, I I enjoyed being able to ask you about questions and you were really, you know, upfront, honest um, and very transparent, I think, about some of the details of the, you know, how things work and everything, which you don't get from bigger game studios. You know? Yeah. Well, you guys asked some great questions and it was interesting for me to have my, uh, my like business partner, Alan, there with me because he, he doesn't do social media or press stuff. So I never hear like, he's really shy about that kind of stuff. So you guys got to see a different side of him that I usually don't even see myself. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bring out the unexpected in people. Right. <laughs> we'll go. No, the, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the things about our conversations that has stuck with me through this whole time is the Kickstarter and how, you know, you, you broke down how funds work for you after, you know, you get the funding is like, here's the percentage that goes towards this. Here's percentage we set aside for if things go wrong. I mean, right. that was a, that was an interesting breakdown. Cause I, I think a lot of Kickstarter people don't do that. And that was a, a new eye opener, especially for me is how you, you break down all the costs that come with running the Kickstarter. So. Yeah. I think budgeting is so, so important for a Kickstarter. I, mm-hmm. I usually try to encourage people to, to budget for, not meeting their goal for just barely meeting their goal and then for being way more successful than they thought they'd be because <laughs> that's often where a lot of the problems happen where you think you're going to sell 500 games and you sell 2000 and that seems great but you haven't planned for it <laughs> so it's good to look ahead to that potential and at least set yourself up for success yeah i mean it's a good problem to be had all things considered i guess yeah but i could see you know like you might have to switch publisher or uh, printing houses if that if the new if you suddenly outgrow where you were planning on printing and right those kind of things and that that can that could dramatically change the budget of the project too right exactly like yeah. right now on Kickstarter there's are you guys aware of the uh, tiny Epic Kingdoms project I haven't heard no, of that one yet I have not it's a it's a micro game it's a four X micro game by uh, Michael Coe. Uh, but I think he's over at Gamelin Games, and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a small game. Um, it's like sixteen dollars, twenty four or sixteen or twenty four dollars, and it's doing great. I think he's up to a hundred thousand dollars with two weeks to go. Hundred eight grand, yeah, yeah. And he wow. his last update was really really interesting because he kind of, he was talking to um, the company that he was intending to have publish his game, and. They can't make the number, I think it's dice, they can't make the number of dice that he thought they would be able to make. So it was really cool to see the update because he was completely transparent about it during the project. He let backers know, hey, like, I didn't realize we'd be this successful or that this company couldn't print that many, make that many dice. Hmm. Um, and he's kind of thinking on his feet and working with it. But he's a, he's been doing this for a couple of years now. I think he knows he'll figure it out. But it was, it was neat to see that process. Like you guys said, the transparency is always neat to see. Mm-hmm. How do you do a 4X micro game? <laughs> You'll have to look at that project. He the the designer is not Michael; it's somebody else. He found um, 
And I think they actually pulled it off based on the reviews I've read about it. Yeah, it says uh, it says uh, from Scott Alms, designer of Kings of Air and Steam. Yeah, yeah. Huh, that sounds really interesting. I have to dig into that more afterwards. I, I've recently gotten into the whole 4X uh, board game thing. You know, I played the played the other ones a while back, and I saw you recently played Eclipse for the first time. Yeah, have you played that? I have not played Eclipse yet, but I played Twilight Imperium. Ooh. Have you tried that one? I haven't, uh, but I'm I'm curious after playing Eclipse. Okay, so I, I okay we've each played one. We don't have any common <laughs> ground to compare these on, but uh, you know, it, Twilight Imperium. It literally felt like I was playing Master of Orion two, oh, really? uh, but in board game form. So I Did grew it, up playing Master of Orion two, so that was it was amazing, like geek out for me. And I got we got both expansions now, and God, oh, man, cool. there's just so much to it. Did it? So you played more than once? Yes. No. Okay. Does it? it like the, our game of Eclipse, the first game we played, it took about six hours, mm-hmm. which I've heard is long for Eclipse. It was it was a learning game, so it's bound to last our, longer. Our, our first game of Twilight Appearing was about five to six hours. The, oh, that's fir- not too bad. the first two to three hours was me reading the rule book aloud. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, so it was definitely a lot of learning. We realized about two thirds way through, it's like, oh, we've been doing politics all wrong. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, that was one thing is a lot of people I've heard, I've heard it said over and over again that politics is kind of like a fifth X, you know? Right. And uh, I can see where that comes from because the politics system is so ingrained into twilight Imperium. Um, everything can, you, know, you can change rules with, with votes and everything else uh, based on which cards come up. And some of them are really like, some of the votes can be really powerful and you can strong arm the weaker races into doing these things for you if you want. Right. So it's, it's, it's all kind of neat. I don't know if does eclipse have anything like that. Um, there is some politicking, but I don't know if I would call it a fifth, fifth X, mm-hmm. but we really only, I mean, we only played one game. I'm sure there's a lot of, of elements that will emerge upon future plays. Yeah. Our, our second playthrough of Twilight Imperium shrunk down to, shrunk down to about four hours, three, oh. three to four. That's not bad at all. Yeah. So I think for what it is, it's not bad at all. And we, and that was with us adding in the first expansion pack, or at least the base rules from the first expansion. Okay. You know, uh, and these are both small uh, games, but one thing I noticed with Twilight Imperium is that the game had a tendency to end pretty quick. Like, it was like you're building up, you're building up, you're building up, and then with the 10 point victory track, uh-huh. it would end about the time things were start, were about to get just absolutely epic. So that did was. Did you like that? Uh, or did you, would you, it was, for two more points or something it, like that? It felt anticlimactic. Yeah. Honestly, and in the basic and in the base rules, there's actually an optional. You flip over the track, and it becomes a 14 point track. Oh, okay. So I think I think next time we're probably going to try doing that, even though it's, we know it's going to take a little bit longer. Yeah, because about the time you hit those, get the big fleet with a lot of planets, you, you know, somebody can just backdoor the victory with the victory right. points, and you don't have the chance to even have like more than one or two good space skirmishes. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, those skirmishes definitely emerge late in the game in Eclipse too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, I, I, does it, does Eclipse allow you to turtle at all? You yeah yeah you can uh, you don't you don't have to attack anybody. You can kind of it depends on how you you. I mean, I guess you're not really building. You're placing these tiles that represent space, and if you just take a, t- a number of tiles and just go out from the rest of the board, it's pretty much impossible for other people to reach you out there. So oh wow! So, so, the, so you so it's kind of like Mansions of Madness or House on the Honey Hill, where you're building the board as you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So where uh, uh, Twilight Imperium, you're actually building it all up front. 
oh, okay, before the game starts. Right, yeah, that, that's like the first phase of the game is you build the universe because there's actually strategy in it because you deal out the, the planets randomly. Okay. And then you take turns placing the planets. And they aren't – they have like these concentric rings that grow out from their uh, mecha, Mechatrol Rex, which is their version of Orion basically. Uh-huh. And um, so, you know, these concentric rings and then all the home planets are on the outermost ring. Okay. Yeah. So, and then, you know, you're kind of fighting over the middle and there you put the, you place these obstacles in your opponent's ways or you try to use them to defend your own area naturally. Like you put a, you put a black hole or a, a, a asteroid field in between you and the rest of the universe kind of thing. Well, tell me this, cause I found this in an eclipse and I'm in another long game, like twilight Imperium. I'm curious if it happens. Hmm. We had a few players who, with about like 90 minutes left in the game to go, about two or three rounds, they were completely out of the game. They really didn't have a chance. And I, I would say they weren't, those two players weren't having a lot of fun at that point. There wasn't a lot they could do. And with a shorter game, that doesn't end up mattering as much. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, a one-hour game or a 30-minute game, that if you're out of it, who, who cares? But for a four or five-hour game, it does. Does that happen in Twilight Imperium? Is there a ch- Point so players just out of it in the in the two or three games we've played, um, I have seen people fall dramatically behind on the victory point track, mm-hmm. and you know in theory you could still gang up on the guy that was in the lead and, and go it off. But uh, I have not yet seen a time where it's it's like there's just somebody who's dead in the water from from the rest of the part of the game. You know right. you still have planets, you still have fleets. You, you could I could I could foresee, especially if people ganged up on you just being beaten into the corner and wiped out. But it would be, uh, you know, I don't think it would be common necessarily if you unless you're doing being risky or something. OK. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, fa- I found yeah. that in some games where like if you guys played Terra Mystica. Tim has that one. We have not sit down and played it yet. OK. It has it, it and um it and Twilight Imperium have more game pieces than anything I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, they do have a lot of components. <laughs> Is Tim even there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, sorry, you, you were comparing something to, to Terra Mystica, though? Well, yeah, with Terra Mystica, you can, which is a game that I absolutely love. I think it was my 2013 game of the year. You can be pretty much, you can be completely out of the game. Like, you, you can see how many victory points everybody has, and you can kind of tell how many points you're going to get in the end of the game. You mm-hmm. can be completely out of it, and it doesn't matter because you still have so many things you can do. So you still feel like you're building towards something, even if you're out of it, hmm. which I I think is probably the, the genius of that game and where I thought Eclipse fell just a little a little short for me. Right. And I wasn't even one of the players that was out of it. I just kind of felt bad for the two guys that weren't in it anymore. Yeah, I don't like games as a general rule that have you, have it be landslides. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I want it to be a tight game because it's more fun for you, whether you're winning or losing, in my opinion. Right. Well, I think that's where Terra Mystica opened my eyes up a little bit because for some at a certain point, some players won't even care about winning, but they're still interested in, in playing and moving forward in some way. Mm-hmm. As I think it had something to do with that the satisfaction of building something and kind of looking at the end of the game, looking at what you've built. There's, there's something satisfying about that to me. Okay. I, I could see that. I mean, does that game kind of put those players though into more of a king making situation? Not really. No, I, there isn't that type of interaction in the game. Um, hmm. Yeah, you can't really, you can't really force someone ahead or or really impede anyone else. 
Also, oh, is it? I hate this term, but is it more like competitive solitaire then? It's it's not too far away from that. I mean, the, hmm. there are some key interactions on the board uh, where you can like. I guess it's a little tough to describe, but there are some interactions <laughs> where you can kind of get in in the way of people, and there's a. a well, there's only like 300 form. pieces, so I mean, what's hard <laughs> to describe about it? <laughs> right. So there, I, I, I think it, uh, king making definitely can happen. You can impede other players a little bit, but usually that happens fairly early on in the game, not not late in the game when you know who's actually emerging as the winner. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know, we got to try that out, Tim. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's very quiet. What have you guys played uh, I'm, lately? I'm, I'm just listening, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> what uh, have you played lately, Tim? Uh, not much, actually. Um, oh. It's been kind of a, a lull in board gaming right now, but uh, I did pick up Terra Mystica. I've been wanting to play it, but it just hasn't had yeah. time. And I also picked up Letters, uh, Letters to Letters of Whitechapel, oh, yeah. which is you know the second rendition, second edition that's being printed by uh, FFG. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, what about you, Brian? Well, actually, we we just got together Saturday or no Sunday for a big board game day. Okay. And we had a we we we, we targeted games we hadn't played before. Okay. So one thing we did is we we played a five player game of Euphoria. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah, I've heard you of that might game. you might have heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, How'd it go? Uh, I I did not win. You didn't win. Uh, no, I did not win. Yeah, so I guess from that point of view, not very well. <laughs> I I enjoyed uh, the fifth player, the five player version, uh, not five player <coughs> version, but uh, having five players instead of two. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's a very different, different game. Yeah, me me and Tim play, have played Euphoria twice now, and and for the listeners that don't know, uh, Euphoria is one of Jamie's games. Yes. New, yeah. brand new game. Yes, it's his brand new game, fresh off the Kickstarter press. Uh, well, as close as you can actually get, I guess, without it and still have the game. Right. right. Yeah. It got delivered at the end of December. So um, I really enjoyed it. I I, I kind of like how you have the 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 flow of interactions where, you know, the who has been first place, like no longer matters after about two minutes of the game. Right. And I actually really right. enjoyed that. I, I think there's a very elegant amount of complexity in the game. And uh, but the one thing that I've seen has been kind of things is the games are not very even like game to game because I've played three games of it now uh-huh. and um, there was the one-on-one me and Tim played there was the five-player game from this time and then there was a four-player game from the the first time I think I played it but Tim wasn't there for that one mm-hmm. and the thing that is making it extremely uneven is um, some of the personalities and the deck seem to really favor certain strategies and sometimes you get stuck and you just don't have any good personalities to build a strategy around. Right. Right. Those are the, the recruits that give you different abilities. Right. And, um, I don't know. Have you seen that? Have you heard that criticism from others or, or that observation? I don't know if I'd even call it a criticism. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, as I was designing those recruits, there, there are 48 recruits in the game, 12 in each of the factions. And it's, I wasn't really trying to make them, exactly the same value Mm -hmm. um there are some that i would say are i mean there are definitely some that are really weak early on in the game or really weak late in the game usually there's that that 
just for the listeners so they know, you pick two recruits at the beginning of the game, and one is an active recruit from turn one, mm-hmm. so you can use that recruit's ability throughout the entire game. And then at a certain point in the game, you can activate your second recruit. So right. you want to pick, uh, when you when you get your four recruit cards to choose from at the beginning of the game, you want to choose um, one that's good early on to, to be active from, from turn one. Um, and yeah, so, so I have seen, uh, there are some that are definitely weaker at different times. And I would say some that are just weaker in general or some that are a little too strong. In fact, there's one that we are going to have to change for the second printing because it is definitely too strong. Did you find any that you would say that about? There's one in particular, the engineer is the one that's (laughs) too strong. I was about to say Tim. (laughs) Michael, the engineer is Michael. Yep. Yep. Tim got him two games in a row. Really? And, um, yeah. and and actually in our last game, and I, maybe we're doing something a little bit wrong here because we had two people on the on the board with, with Michael the Engineer. Oh. Both oh. Will, both uh, Willie and I both had Michael the Engineer. It was, it was Michael the Engineer for the win and then just <laughs> snowballed. Yes. Yeah. And, and one of the Michaels won every game I've seen him hit the board. Um, I, I definitely have more than 48 cards. Am I playing with too many? Well, you you probably have the supreme version of the game that has a deck of cards where they don't have faces and a deck where they do have faces. Does that sound right? Maybe I haven't looked at the artwork too. I didn't flip through it, so that may be true. So, did I accidentally shuffle two decks together that weren't supposed to be played together? You did, but it doesn't ruin anything. You can you can play that way, or you can separate them. Okay, um, except when Michael the Engineer comes out twice. Except when Michael comes out twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he yep. is exactly the card I was talking about. Uh, yeah, that seems to unbalance things a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I've noticed is if you have multiple uh, Icarite um, personalities or recruits, I guess. Yeah. Um, if you have multiple Icarites, sometimes you you can just uh, completely snowball the Icarite tree. Yeah. Yeah. The the Icarites are Icarite. Are, okay. Sorry. Icarites. Yeah. They're I can't say words. Faction. <laughs> yeah. Ask Tim. He's known me for a couple of years now. I can't say words. <laughs> Pronunciation what? <laughs> yes, I'm putting the emphasis on the wrong syllaba. <laughs> yes. Enunciate your words, Brian. Enunciate. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying, Jamie? <laughs> about, um, about the Icarites. Yes. Yeah, they um they, well it's it's tough to describe them without describing the entire game, but I guess it's interesting for me to read the boards on B2G because there will be some comments that talk about how strong the Icarites are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if if non-Icarite players kind of play into, the, if they put lots of workers on the Icarite markets, they end up really helping the Icarites. Yes. Um, and that's kind of exactly what I wanted to convey when I designed the Icarites, that it's it's really tempting to go up there. Mm-hmm. But you have to be really careful about it if well, you do. I'm trying to remember the name of this movie, but I saw a movie not too long ago, and it had the two worlds that were like mirror images, and you know they had reverse gravity. Right. You I know haven't what, seen that, but I know I've saw I saw the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it was based on a book. Do you, Tim, do you remember the name of that movie? You're the movie buff. Uh give me the description one more time. It was two cities, and they're like you know it's like two worlds, but they're they're uh, they're upside down to each other, and they have reverse gravity and matter from one world can't really exist on the other world without you know burning itself up and whatnot. 
Uh, give me a minute. I'll uh, keep talking, and uh, it's, it's, eventually, uh, eventually, my processor will go. Oh yeah, it's X. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so um, it, it kind of reminded me of that. You know, you have these guys floating around on the blimps. They're the Icarites. You know, and of course, right. I love the humor built into the game. That I laugh every time we read the name of the markets okay. or anything else. That's just great. Um, I'm sure you get a lot of that though. But yeah, uh, people like the, the double speak of the word. So oh yeah, they're awesome. Um, are you talking about? Sorry, sorry. Are you talking about upside down? The film is called Upside Down. That might be it. Yeah. It stars uh, like Kristen Dunst. Yep, that's and, it. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, it, of course, it would be something easy like that, Upside Down. But yeah. it reminded me of that, though, because, you know, you had the one world that was completely impoverished and was right. basically, you know, being stripped mined for the benefit of the upper class, which was the other world. Right. Exactly. And, and that's and that's what this reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah, That that's kind of what we were going for. Well, it's a whole dystopian thing. It is easier for the Icarites to get to the end of their allegiance track than than the other um, than the other factions, but they also don't have a tunnel that you can work with. So there's a little bit of give and take there. Yeah, although the tunnels don't seem to get a lot of play in the games I've been, but maybe that's just because it's all been full of Michael and all he does is mine gold. (laughs) Right. Right. Listen, Michael's not broken. Okay, you just don't understand Michael the engineer. You're not. You don't believe in Michael the engineer. No, I don't because I've not drawn Michael, the engineer. (laughs) I just don't think I just don't think you appreciate Michael, the engineer is what I'm trying to say. He is he he is the man. You don't mess with Michael. I I, I appreciate how many uh, markets he made me not be part of. (laughs) (laughs) That would never happen. Every game I've played, I've gotten screwed out of the markets like I cannot buy into them all. And some of those things are pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, I think the worst I had at one point in one game, I couldn't use my I couldn't use my recruit abilities at all. And I had like three numbers that I could not roll without sacrificing resources. That's, yeah, that's pretty harsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, well, it was pretty had, harsh. We had well, one of the players in our five player game missed out on two markets and on sixes and twos. He had to lose a resource. Yeah. So then oh, he wow. rolls two sixes and a two. Oh, no. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> all, th- all things considered, though, I, I definitely um, – and we'll probably have to do an episode more where we talk about Euphoria at some point. But I really enjoyed it. I love the thematic quality of it. And I, I think you just did an amazing job capturing that whole dystopian you know, uh, feel while making the game a lot of fun. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I do know several of my friends that are very disappointed there's not a deluxe edition available that matches the Kickstarter qual- uh, components. Well, I, I have some good news about that. Um, the, I mean, we're only going to, we've produced the Kickstarter version of the game where we're done with that. We're, we're only making the retail version from now on. Mm-hmm. But in our upcoming Kickstarter campaign, we're going to start doing something new where we're, we're going to let players add on during the campaign. They'll be able to add on uh, the resources, the special resource tokens from the original Euphoria. Oh, It'll nice. be an add-on, an additional cost, just kind of out of respect for the original backers who who got it at a lower cost. Nice, um, but people will have that that chance to get them because I mean that, that's really that's actually the the number one complaint I've heard about the game from people who get the retail version and like what they see, but they if they touch those those gold tokens from the deluxe <laughs> version, they you can't go back. No, I I was yeah. absolutely floored no. when I opened up the deluxe version and I had these heavy gold bricks. Yeah. And of yeah. course, the first thing we did is we stacked them up like Fort Knox. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, you know, and the glass, you know, the glass stones are, are cool, but those uh, and the resin and the resin, um, I guess those are bricks, bricks, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The resin bricks are, and the uh, and the gold blocks are just absolutely amazing uh, yeah. quality. I, I I think they're some of the best quality components I've seen out of any game I've opened. Well, thanks. And we're kind of, I mean, my intent there is to. Like, there are a lot of games that use brick or clay, gold and stone. And so I'd like to start producing these so that they can be used in other games too. Because yeah. I, I don't know. That's a big part of the game, my game experience. I like to, you know, it's the tangible, the, the touch of and, and the weight of it makes a big difference. Yeah, I've been wanting to, you know, I know we've seen a couple of Kickstarters out there where you've had gold or you know, metal coins to replace yeah. the other ones in various types of games. Yeah. But they're always so expensive. We're changing that too, actually, with uh, with Tuscany. So, okay, we have, we, we have a Kickstarter coming up for for Tuscany, which is the expansion to Viticulture. Yes. And in, in Tuscany, um, one of the reward levels. So you, I'll just. I, I guess I haven't really talked about this with anybody. So you guys are getting the, the first actual number on any of this. But awesome, sweet. <laughs> well, yeah. The, yeah and, and for the for the listeners who don't know, Viticulture is uh, as Jamie's and his uh, Stone Stone Meyer's other big game. Yeah, that was our first game on Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, it's a game of wine making where you kind of you have your own vineyard and you build it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a hard time finding a copy, but I did get one eventually. Nice, nice. Yes. Uh, and, and we played a couple of games of it. And that's when I first approached you about coming back on the show. I want, I want us to get back to your errata because I have, I have a beef with you to, to a beef with Ooh. you about that one. Interesting. Yeah. So let's start there and then go into the Kickstarter. Let's start there while we're on Viticulture. Tell okay. Me okay. So J- yeah. Jamie, Jamie, I apologize. I have listened to this same errata story for a while. <laughs> I am so sorry about what's about to happen to you. <laughs> I'm going to go actually what I'm going to do right now while Brian starts the errata piece because i have my own thoughts and opinions on this i'm gonna uh-huh. go make some popcorn and i'm gonna sit back in my chair make sure you have a, make sure you get little chocolate pieces to go with the popcorn otherwise it's yes. not nearly as good maybe yes. you know salt and a little bit of dark chocolate mm. yeah yeah it's, it's all now <laughs> okay anyway no okay so you know viticulture like he says it's a worker placement resource strategy game all about making wine and i really uh love the game i think it's very well made um i did feel the problem that you talk about that you're trying to solve with the errata and the problem is that in in big games you can you get too much contention on those uh on, on the worker spots yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's why you're you you have that errata in place, and not just for big games, really, for because it kind of it scales based on players. So even in a in a two player game, there's only one action space per action, so it's pretty right. easy to get blocked out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I get where you're coming from that you're trying to alleviate the frustration that I was feeling at times mm-hmm. when I was in there, but I have to wonder, is that not kind of the point? of a of these lim, of these limited resource placement schemes and and I, that's and that's yeah. really what it boils down to is i i have to i have to ask you know is that not destroying the point of having anything any limited spots at all well let, let me explain it a little bit to listeners who haven't played viticulture so they have some context so oh, they're on we don't need context <laughs> no sorry yeah please go ahead you, you can probably explain it better than i can anyway so there are there are two seasons in Viticulture. There's there's the summer and the winter, and each of the seasons has six actions, and each action 
for a five or six player game has three action spaces. So if, if I'm playing against Brian and Tim, uh, actually, and, and a bigger group, say we're in a bigger group of five or six people, mm-hmm. and, and Brian gives a vineyard tour, and then I give a vineyard tour, and Tim gives a vineyard tour, then no one else can give a vineyard tour that season. That was the case until we added the errata, which said that every, wor- every player has one unique worker called a grande worker that can go on an action even if all the action spaces are full. So out of your team of, of up to uh, five other workers or six total workers, one of them can be a, a grande and the grande can go on a full action. Um, and, and I would say I, I actually agree, I agree with you based on the way that I like to play viticulture. I, mm-hmm. I like it as a tighter game. Um, that was never a frustration to me. That was an interesting challenge when I got blocked out of an action and had to choose an, another action. But we got that feedback so much, kind of like Michael and Michael, the engineer, it reached a tipping point where we were like, okay, people, uh, people have a really good point about this. And I, I mean, it's a, it's a vineyard game set in, in Italy. It shouldn't be a frustrating experience. And I think that was frustrating for some people that every once in a while they get locked out of that one action they really needed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, but see, to me, that's part, that, like you're saying, that's part of the strategy where you're, you know, because you can, you can then instead of taking that action, you can take the other action, which next turn will make you go first. Right. Right. And that's the, and that's kind of like the trade off, right? I mean, I, admittedly, I knew what I was backing myself into every time that I didn't force myself earlier in the initiative. Yeah, that, that's what I, you're kind of saying what I said to a lot of people over the, over the past summer. Um, <laughs> so how's it really be arguing with yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was, I just got more and more receptive to the idea. The more people said it and I started playing with it that way. And it is a, a little, it's a looser game with that, with that rule in place. But as a whole, we found it to be a more enjoyable experience. Hmm. But if you like it the other way, I keep playing that way. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, maybe having it being an official optional rule. Yeah. Instead of it being uh, an erratic, because erratic to me means you have to throw out what was there before, and this is the official new game. Right. And well, um, I think the errata would would actually be the old way now, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can sense the disappointment. I'm, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, t- Tim, tell me tell me what you think. What was your popcorn-esque feel over there? Well, the thing with the errata, is I, I have to agree with Brian, is adding the grande worker is, uh, is not – it It takes away one of the, the key elements to any worker placement game. That would be saying like in Puerto Rico you could have a worker that automatically lets you go onto a building or – copy a building that no one that someone already someone already has right um the whole point of worker placement is working your strategy to optimize your play and i feel it does take away and destroy a little bit that i find to be interesting about viticulture yeah Uh, and i mean i can understand is that some people it can cause a point of frustration i know there was a couple people in our group that we there were a couple like yeah that's really frustrating i wish we could change the ruling and then it was like well let's go look at the errata Blah, 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 blah. And then it was kind of like split down the middle for us. It's like half of people are like, yeah, that would make it better. And the other half are like, oh my God, that would make things so much worse. Because then who cares if things are filled up? And yeah. 
I mean, I mean, from- and I, I think this may be exposing and not a problem with the game, but a, one of the consequences of the way it was designed is that late game, there's only a couple of useful actions to take. Right. And, right. I, and so is this more of trying to cover up that than anything else or? Well, part of the reason definitely did play into the, probably the last two years of the game when a lot of your focus, when you've built that engine, you've got a lot of wine and you've got to fill wine orders. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- yeah, that, that, that was a big part of it. And a few people suggested doing, having some things that only happen on the last turn of the game. Like it, when, when someone crosses the 20 point threshold, these new things happen that don't happen during the rest of the game. But as a designer, I'm, I'm really averse to, to rules like that. That to me is an exception to the rule. Um, and it makes it feel like a game instead of uh, a game that I hope is pretty closely tied to the theme. Right. Seems very mechanical. So, yeah, I mean, we, we could have done it differently and just done something that addressed the end of the game. But I wanted something that was more pervasive throughout the entire game. Yeah, no, and I, I completely understand. I mean, because there is a lot to be said for consistency in these kind of games. Right. When you start introducing right. rule exceptions and, you know, this happens if that kind of thing, then it, it becomes more complicated. And then you end up in a situation where you have to keep the rule book out as a reference the whole game. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So now I will say with, with I've mentioned Tuscany. Tuscany adds an extended board to the game. So instead of just having... um the summer and the winter as seasons when you can place workers, there's now a spring, summer, fall, and winter, all of which have four different actions in them. Oh, wow. So we go from 12 actions uh, to a total of 16 actions. And Hmm. I think when you play with that version, you'll see that the Grande's ability matters very little. Like you'll probably only use that ability at most maybe twice a game. Mm -hmm. And when that happens... It'll be because you really, really need it. Mm. Um, so the Grande's ability really doesn't factor in when you have those additional actions on the board. Okay, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so going back to Tuscany. So Tuscany is the expansion. Not it's not just an expansion set, right? It's an ex- it's a pack of expansion sets. It's a pack of expansion sets. Yeah. There's going to be, I mean, depending on what stretch goals we hit, there there should end up being about 10 or 12 expansions in the box. Oh, wow. And the, the whole idea of the game, I, 12 is a lot. That can be, if you open a box of, of 12 expansions and throw them right into the game of Viticulture, it could be a little, it could be very overwhelming. And so, so, is, what, so that's the appropriate way to play as a new group, right? You get the base game, you get Tuscan, you throw it all out there together. And, and that's how you start off as your first game of Viticulture now, Right. Not not exactly. No, that, yeah. that's, well, what we're, that's what sadly, we're. I, oh, sadly, I think that's what our group would do. Is like, oh, we have we have so many expansions. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, we we did exactly that with uh, Cutthroat Caverns. Have you played that one, Jamie? No, I've I've seen. Uh, shut up and sit down. Do a, a video about it, but no, no, I haven't. You know, so, so you, you, you know yeah. the general thing about it, right? Right. So yeah. there, there are four major expansion sets, and then there's these rule, and then there's these extra uh, adventure books. Great game, I'd highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun, especially if you like backstabby games. Right. But the 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 problem is though is that we got all five boxes the first day, and we unpacked them all, and we mixed it all together, oh, no. and we're like, let's do this. <laughs> that is. 
Was it a lot to take in the first time? It was. Yes. And par- <laughs> I, I will give them props because the latest expansion pack does absolutely an amazing job packaging all of it together in one box. Uh-huh. Everything fits. Everything's nice and cozy. And so you have all these things that are really great. The problem is, is when you get all these expansion packs in there, you actually have a what is a small, small like uh, fruit bowl full of tokens. Okay, And it's not that you have like 50 tokens of this type and 50 tokens of that type and 50 tokens of this type. It's you literally have dozens of one shot tokens Uh, that are like when this particular monster comes out, you go and dig out these 12 tokens uh out of this literal fruit bowl (laughs) of tokens. And it's uh, and that's kind of like the most overwhelming part of it, because you're like, find the mercury tokens and you go digging and digging and digging. Eventually you find. Right. Because there's literally probably what? What do you think, Tim? Two, three hundred tokens. Oh, wow. Uh, Those little card. uh, Yeah, there's a lot in that one. It's not even enough to put into the the typical plastic containers you buy from like Joanna Fabrics or Michaels. Well, and you can't do that because of so many of them. There's only a handful of them. Yeah, so you'd have to have like a a stack of those to try to organize them. Right, and it's just not not happening. But it's a great game regardless. So you were saying though, so don't take out all all of Tuscany at once. Right. We're, we're structuring it very – like the actual box will be structured in a way that um, it will guide players to open one expansion at a time in a particular order. So it's actually – have you guys played Risk, Le- Risk Legacy? No, I can't talk these guys into it. We have the box sitting in there. We've never <laughs> actually pulled it out, and they're like, no, it'll take forever. Oh, and then I start hearing Riskopoly jokes, and it goes downhill from there. <laughs> well, it, it, that's kind of true, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played a good game in Risk in years, and none of these guys want to play. Well, I hope you give it a try, because the genius, or one of the elements of genius of Risk Legacy is that you you open, you end up unlocking these packets kind of one at a time. Right. Um, and so every time you open a packet, it adds a new layer to the original game of Risk. It Like, each layer makes the game better and a little more complex. Mm-hmm. If you were to open the box of Risk Legacy and open all those packets all at once and throw them into the game, you would be completely overwhelmed and you probably wouldn't even recognize it as Risk anymore. It would be a completely different game, which may not be bad for some people, but I think it it creates <laughs> it a really good learning experience because you start off with most people know how Risk works and you add one new thing into it. So the first game, like you mentioned with Twilight Imperium, it's been, you, you took two hours to go through the rules. Mm-hmm. With risk, it takes maybe five minutes to go through the rules, and then you add this new packet in there. Right. And so that's the experience we're trying to encapsulate in Tuscany, where people who already know how to play Viticulture can open up that Tuscany box and open up one of the, the little expansion packets in it, play with that a few times, and then open the next one and kind of create the story of their vineyard over many expansions. And unlike Risk Legacy, once you've opened up all those expansions, you then have a full game to play as long as you want. Um, it doesn't risk kind of ends after 15 games Risk legacy. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. No, it sounds really cool. It sounds like you're replicating in a, in a lot of ways, the, um, what you see in video games a lot where you have the tutorial yeah. missions and exactly. Y- you gradually unlock new mechanics in the video games uh, until you've got them all. And then there's, and then there's a, a good 10 plus hours after that and a good art and a good RPG. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited. And we, we started about talking about voice? this. Oh, sorry, what? Well, we started talking <laughs> about what the coins that you said, metal coins often 
are right. really expensive to add on. Oh yeah, I mean some of these things are just abs- no, I hate using the word absurd because it sounds derogatory, but it's not. But it's it's just the pricing on them it makes me. It's like the game doesn't cost this much, right? You know, I could you can literally go and spend a hundred bucks trying to get metal coins just to play in your you know whatever games, right? Yeah. So and we're we're structuring the price a lot differently. So with this is the thing that I haven't actually talked about yet. Um, so I will tell you guys the uh, Tuscany will cost thirty nine dollars on on Kickstarter. It'll be a sixty dollar game at, at retail, but I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it for thirty nine, and then if you add ten dollars, you get forty eight metal lira coins, three different custom coins. It'll be a bronze, a silver, and a gold. Wow! And forty eight, I based on my plays of viticulture, is more than enough for all players to to have plenty of money to use. So that's kind of my experience too. I've seen that number of coins for thirty, forty dollars on Kickstarter, but to mm-hmm. me, ten dollars is fair, and and we can produce it for under that cost too. So it works for for production as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you you could have a great side business just producing these replacement components that were higher quality for other games. And we're thinking about that. Um, I need to. That's actually something that I'm going to address with, with all the Kickstarter backers for euphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, I'm, I'm hoping to ask them for their blessing to produce the the special resources outside of the context of, of Kickstarter. Um, which, it, what, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about Kickstarter exclusives recently and, and what that means and how I, I want to somewhat distance myself from them in the, in the future and the way that we run Stonemaier games. Um, so yeah, I, I can I can relate to that because, you know, I, after my friends have seen my copy of the of uh, not Viticulture, but of uh, Euphoria, they mm. they say they want to get a copy, but they they want the wood stars. They want the the heavy metal zinc, you know, uh, gold blocks. And right. uh, I don't know, as, as one of your backers, you have my blessing to go out and make these things. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if that means crap to the rest of them, <laughs> <laughs> but you have my blessing for what it's worth. Our backers are pretty awesome. They they respond really well to stuff like that. So I, I think I'll just explain it to them and and uh, probably offer some sort of a vote. And if, if a lot of people don't like the idea, I'll, I'll totally respect that. Um, but I know for sure for Tuscany, mm-hmm. the coins will not be Kickstarter exclusive. They'll be an add-on and they'll be much more expensive after the campaign. But I, I want them to be available to anyone who's willing to pay for them. No, and that seems completely legitimate to me. Yeah, I also think Viticulture is kind of fun because it's the only game I, I remember seeing that is not a drinking game that recommends you drink while you play. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is better with wine. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Tim, what do you think? Should he make the uh, Kickstarter exclusives for Euphoria available as an add-on? Oh, of course. I mean, I think that will help sell more copies of Euphoria as well. Yeah, that's part of it. I think we're like you mentioned the wooden stars. We probably wouldn't produce those again because they don't really apply to any other game. Like if we're going to produce the uh, the coins and the resources separately, mm-hmm. they're kind of they could be universally added to a number of games. Um, I definitely oh. hear what your friends are saying about the stars, but it, it would be tough to replicate them on a on a wider scale. Do other games not use stars? I don't. I can't think of any that use. Uh. Stars, like stars, and I'd have to 
I, I'd have to like seriously sit down and think about it. But I can't remember. Yeah, I can't think of any either. But some for some reason that surprises me. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. I can't. I can't think of any. I'm sure there's some some games out there that do, but yeah, having gold, clay, and stone, and and coins, I think are that's very very common. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, as a group, like we play a lot of the games not with the built-in currencies that are shipped with them. Right. Uh, instead, we go buy a a big thing of poker chips. Yeah. And yeah. use those instead. Like I, I, I don't think we've ever played a game of Power Grid with the built-in currency. I don't even know what it looks like. Because <laughs> I, I taught you guys to use poker chips instead. Yes. For currency. Because <laughs> I hate paper money. <laughs> Trying to keep track of paper currency is not as fun. Plus, people because of the fact you can hide your money in some games, people right. will fold it and put it places they shouldn't. And yeah. Right. Yeah, at least with poker chips, we can wash those afterwards. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so tell tell us more about Tuscany. I, I'm I'm still curious about what what we can expect to see. Or 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 will you not tell me anymore? No, it's it's it, nothing's really a secret about it. Well, I guess I haven't talked a lot about it about the the individual elements, um, but. Kind of like the first few tiers that you'll open in Tuscany will address other other issues in that I perceived after many many plays of Viticulture. Mm-hmm. I think Viticulture will still work just fine as a standalone game, but there are little things that make the game a little better. Like there's an element that makes it a little bit easier um, to get money in the first couple of turns. Um, just because that seemed to be a, a hang up early on in the game money is pretty scarce yeah um yeah i think we experienced some of that too yeah there will also be uh cards that i'm calling mama and papa cards so the idea is that uh your 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 mom and your dad have have given you this vineyard and have asked you to to do what you can with it and with that gift they give you a few different resources to start the game with so instead of starting the game with a standard three workers, three lira, uh, and a, a few specific cards, each player will start out with different things at the beginning of the game. Okay. And, and we, I think by this point we've balanced it pretty well so that they're all balanced, but they'll push players in different directions from turn one. So not all, the pl- not all players are doing pretty much the same thing the first year. They all have different priorities. That, that sounds actually pretty cool because I, I yeah. can see that it's the same thing we're talking about. Like towards the end of the game, there's only one or two useful actions, many turns. Right. I, th- I think, you know, you're trying to eliminate that on the other end too, right? Is that effectively what that's doing, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so that's. It would be a, it'd be yeah. a nice mix up. Yeah. To start yeah. The game. I like that. We have a few other things like that. Like one of the the elements of game design that I've really come to appreciate um, over the last couple of years are short term goals. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't really, I don't personally like a game to tell me what I have to do, but I don't mind little suggestions. Like when you're faced with a big daunting board of a million different things that you can choose from for the game to tell you, hey, you know, you know think about doing this thing. Um, and so we're going to have these patron cards that give you a, a short-term goal to pursue, especially early on in the game, um, that kind of push you in a specific direction, kind of give you a path to take if you want to take it, and just give you a little bit of direction early on. 
Okay. So that that's one of the elements too. The big exciting elements are are the the extended board is just a blast to play with. It it changes a, a lot of the dynamics of the game and the flow how the game flows. Did you actually? Um, is it actually like a second board that you put on or around the existing one? You'll actually kind of just put the old board aside. Okay, so it's it's a brand new board. It's a brand new board. Yeah, the old board you can still play with it. Um, like all the expansions will be able to, you'll be able to mix and match them. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling that most, most experienced or at least advanced gamers will want to play with the extended board. Once they start playing with it, there are a lot more options. The, there are more bonuses. You know how each action has like a bonus in the middle that you can, you can choose if you're the first one to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some actions now have two bonuses and some of those bonuses will move around a little bit. The whole the wake up track has expanded. There's a there's just a lot more going on in that board that I think advanced gamers will enjoy. <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> no, it sounds really good. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. God, I don't know why I'm suddenly very tired. <laughs> Crashing. Anyway, uh, I will try to wake back up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not not you, not you. I just felt really tired all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> No, uh, so I, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm excited about uh, Tuscany. When are you expecting that to actually hit Kickstarter? I'm aiming for March 15th, and I, I think at this point we'll be able to hit that date. Okay, unless I, I, find I think out last time we spoke, you talked about doing it in January, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, but Oops, it's, yeah, sorry. It's definitely not ready. <laughs> yeah. no, that's fair, that's fair. Uh, I, know how the, I know how the things can slide. Um, so everything's looking good for March and... Yeah, we've been we've been blind playtesting it now for since about September, and you kind of there's a lot of playtesting that you can that you have to do before you can create the art for the game. But then the art takes a, a while, and then I need to get third party reviews before I can put it on Kickstarter. So that that's why we're still about two months away. Mm-hmm. But uh, to see some of the art, I'm starting to see art come out from from my artist, and it's. It's looking really, really good. I'm excited to start to share some of that. Mm. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. I had some other stuff I was going to ask you about, but now my my mind is kind of scattered. <laughs> um, yeah, crap. I'm going to have to edit some of this out. <laughs> <laughs> I did listen to, I listened to most of your, uh, the, the Mega Man podcast oh, the other day. What do you think? It, it was really, really interesting to listen to, um, and partially because I, I, I guess I didn't realize there was such a huge fan base around Mega Man. It's it kind of took me by surprise too. I mean, um, I, the people in the office and the other people I know, like a lot of people, got really excited about it really fast. Yeah, it, it was kind yeah. of it was kind of unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> I knew like Mega, like I had played Mega Man as a as a as a kid, and I liked the character and the idea. But you guys were speaking of so many different worlds and, and different versions of Mega Man that I didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Tim's um, actually the big Mega Man player, so he maybe he should chime in on some of that. But I because uh, I, I played it like the original two or three of them when I was a kid, and then I I haven't played any since. Yeah, uh, which Jasco guys, I'm sorry for you know. But copying to that one now, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's still a, a great franchise. I, uh, I, they had a great Kickstarter. Uh, it's wrapped up mm-hmm. now, I think. And they oh, just, it just finished. Yeah. I think it, uh, go ahead. Tim. It, it finished on Sunday. 
uh, it closed out at like 415,000 by the time it was done. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. 415,000, 2,600 packers. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, n- nothing to laugh yeah. at. No, they, mm-hmm. they did a great job with it. Uh, they knocked out. They definitely knocked out of the park on that one. So it'll be interesting, you know, how fast the fulfillment will be versus, you know, versus <laughs> screaming fans. So, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the estimated delivery time is somewhere in October, I think. Yeah. They said October 2014. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it, they still have to wait for Capcom approval on. So mm-hmm. hopefully they'll still be able to hit the date. Yeah. So as a designer, what would the idea of working in those kind of franchise IP restrictions make you feel like? Yeah, that was interesting to listen to. Um, It's something that we've explored. There are a few specific um, licenses that that we've targeted Mm -hmm. and none of them have, have come to fruition yet. But so I don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm, it's an area that I'm really curious about. I don't, I don't have any experience with it yet. Um, yeah. Cause I, I think when you're dealing with those, you know, the thematic qualities of the game have so much more of a heavy duty impact on the game itself. Right. And, and you can't ignore them. Like with Viticulture, you know, you did a great job weaving in the wine feel of it to the game. And obviously uh, euphoria is very, you feel the dystopia aspect of it all. Right. But with a game like Mega Man or, uh, Battlestar Galactica or um, Spartacus, you know, if it doesn't feel like the IP it's centered around, you failed almost more right. than if the game's fun or not. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like when, when a book is translated to a movie, mm-hmm. um, you, you have a lot of fans of the book who pick out little things that, that aren't in the movie. Um, so the formats kind of have to respect one another. Yeah. I guess for me as a designer, I would... I would be hesitant to move forward with a licensed game if the license held back the game from being what it could or should be. Right. Uh, so we'll have to see if, if, if it ever comes to that. Like, I wonder if, if the, the Jasco guys, if they ever, if they encountered an element that they really wanted to do with the game and, and the company just said, no, they hmm. we won't do that. That's, that's an interesting question. We didn't even think to ask that. I don't know. Uh, I mean, and have you played any of these other uh, big thematic games, you know, Battlestar Galactica or uh, Spartacus, the new Firefly game? I ha- I haven't played any of those. No. In fact, I, for some reason, I still, even though I know there are a lot of quality licensed game out, games out there, I tend to stay away from them for some reason. Are you, are you, are you drawn to them or do you, do you stay away from them? I have the initial first impression that there's probably, you know, it's much like licensed video games, right? You probably shouldn't do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Tim, yeah. Tim, what's your take on that one? Well, the, the thing with thematic games is, you know, there, it, it really depends on, I guess, well, I guess there's a couple of problems with them. The first one being is that, yes, if you don't capture the theme of the, of the pro of the IP you're trying to go with, yes, it will fail horribly. I mean, that's the big thing with Firefly is that they capture the essence of running a crew and running missions. But in turn of doing that, you've also taken away from the gameplay because there's a lot of solitaire to it. Right. Um, So yes, destroying the theme of the show is more important. Oh, sorry. Capturing the theme of the IP is more important than the actual game mechanics themselves. Which is, is, it's kind of a sad thing. Yeah. I I mean, it ruins, I mean, I think out of all the thematic games based on IPs that are played, Spartacus is probably the closest like perfect version of matching 
the IP to the I don't think it gets much better than Spartacus as far as a thematic game. Really? Uh, Yeah. I mean, and unfortunately, we can't get too much in detail about why because it's you know it's based on a mature show, right? And you know we're we're not a mature podcast, (laughs) 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 but um you know it it really captures. Have you ever seen the show? No. Okay. So the show is very much blood, gore, sex, and violence, and all this kind of stuff, you know. And it's right. it's very backstabby, treacherous. And in the game, you're playing one of the four houses uh, that was started off in the first season. In the expansion, they added uh, they added some of the houses from the later seasons. And you're playing as these houses, running these pools of gladiators, and you have to you you actively are trading, fighting, backstabbing each other, making deals. Uh, it's one of the uh, it's one of the games out there that you have these deals you make, but you are not obligated to follow through with them. Right. It's like, if they give you the money, it's your money, but you don't have to do what you said you were going to do. Is it even immediately? Like if you say, Hey, I'll give you three money. If you give me this warrior and I I can take the physically take the money from you and not give you the warrior. Yeah. No, well, no, uh, no, that's not, that's not the, the the main example of this is you have to have like influence to play cards. Uh-huh. And uh, the influence is also your victory track. Okay. Now, if you have if you don't have enough influence to play the card yourself, uh-huh. you, uh huh. You and you don't have to like you don't lose the influence. You just have to have it's a threshold system. Okay. So, but if you don't have enough influence to play the card, I can go to you, Jamie, and say, "Hey, um, I'll give you three gold if you pitch in with me and we play this card together." Okay. Because then we get to pull our resource totals and play the card. You can play the card. Or I can, you can say, okay, I'll do that. And then we play the card. I don't actually have to give you the money. Oh. Or if I give you the money, then you can back out of helping move the card. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So it's, uh, brings backstabby to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. I, I, I really liked it. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. But, you know, they, they capture the whole buying and selling of slaves and you you, you basically are running, you know, uh, you know, you, you, you take the pleasure slaves and you can tap them for money. And, you know, <laughs> yes, that is mature. You just that, got mature right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you, 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 you take the fighters and you can put on exposition shows to get influence and money and stuff. So it, it's it's very much all of that. Right. So interesting. Um, but it, I have never played a game where, cause in, in, at least in the base game, right? You do one-on-one fights each turn. Right. And, uh, I've never played a game where me and Tim are fighting out in the arena and the other two guys in the four player game are standing around the arena cheering <laughs> as we're rolling our dice. So they're, everybody was fully engaged even when they're not part of the battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause part yeah. of it is you, you gamble on the fights. Right. So right. they're invested in the outcome, and they cool. try to pick who, th- who they think is going to be the likely winner based on the stats of our various gladiators and what gear we bring in or just how badly somebody rolls even. Right. And um, yeah, so they're up and they're, chow- and they're, you know, they're cheering and we roll and you everybody screams around the table. Uh-huh. It, it, That's awesome. Yeah, you don't – I don't see very many games that can have that level of engagement. Yeah, that that's tough to pull off. Yeah. And, uh, t- you know, of course, you know, Tim doesn't like it. You don't like Spartacus? No, that's untrue at all. I just don't like the long version of Spartacus because it'll take like 12 hours. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, yeah. So the, the thing is, is you start off at you, you can start off anywhere on the track, really, as you, as a starting point. Uh-huh. And it goes the track goes from one to 12 and the first person to hit 12 wins. And if they're ties, you fight out in the arena to see who survives. 
Okay. And it's uh, a tiebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Built in tiebreaker. Right. Yeah. Um, so the long game is you start with one and you're constantly having to try to make deals early game and it take and the snowballs take longer to get started. Right. And then like a quick game is you start at seven and you can okay. play most of the cards by yourself directly from the beginning. And, and, uh, that game only in a four player, it only takes like an hour and a half. Oh, nice. Yeah, roughly. It's the it's the starting at one is just it it is a it is an investment. It's a yes. time investment. I, I say every, every group and, and, should do it once. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's not something I would recommend people do more than once every like couple months because it <laughs> it literally is a like after a while there's a point where you're just like I just don't care. <laughs> right, right. I don't care one bit. <laughs> well, he, but, but uh, if you have a group win, that can get I through can Eclipse. Win. Yeah, you'll be able to get through Spartacus. Yeah, you can get through the long game of Spartacus if you can get through the through the long game of Eclipse. We um, barely got through it. It was long. <laughs> this is why, like, every time um, someone brings up trying to Eclipse, like, I'm the first person to go, uh, if you have the iPad version, much better setup is 10 times faster. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah oh. It took me 30 minutes to set up and take down the game. An, an hour oh, yeah. total. Yeah. yeah. I believe yeah, it. Eclipse is a, a very long game, yeah. both setup and play. Yeah. I don't know. So, so that does bring us to another topic of discussion. I saw in one of your newsletters mm-hmm. that you're bringing Viticulture to the iPad. We are. Yeah. I've had a developer working on it since um, probably since September or August now. Mm-hmm. And we're about to enter beta testing. Ooh, I want to invite. You're you're welcome to, to do it. Yeah. Anybody Yay. who has an iPad is welcome. Well, not anybody. 50 people are. Okay, no, I, um, I I would get a kick out of that. I, I think it, I I really like the game. So, yeah. if you have room, please count me in. Well, we learned it. We, I heard a podcast with uh, one of the guys who who is in um, makes the game Ticket to Ride. Why am I blanking on the what's their the giant company? Days of Wonder. Days of Wonder. Yes, yes. Days of Wonder. And so they have this strategy where they use their digital games to help, uh, I guess, increase people's comfort level and familiarity and the kind of they use their their ipad games to teach people how to play their games so they'll buy the physical version and already know how to play mm-hmm. which i thought was brilliant like up until that point i thought oh wouldn't that cannibalize the the board game sales but it doesn't at all their sales accelerate yeah um and i guess it's not just about sales but i have learned a lot about what goes into teaching new players a, a game it, you know that that learning game for any new player can kind of affect the entire group Mm-hmm. So if you have an iPad game where, you know, like, if you're getting together for a viticulture night with two people who've never played, you can just tell them to get the iPad version and play it a few times before they come over, and then everyone can start on the same page and be ready to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. The interface, and then you can do things on the iPad that you can't do in a physical board game too. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I wish there was some of the games I have here that I wish would be ported to the iPad, just because the rules are so intricate. I'm sure I've never actually played them right. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you have one in mind that you would you would port over if you had the choice? Fortune and Glory. Uh-huh. Have you played that one? I haven't. I've, I've read about it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's if you play with all the rules on, you, each turn takes about ten minutes between from like the last the last players to the beginning of the next round player. There's uh-huh. about five to ten minutes of stuff you have to do to oh, maintain wow. board state. 
refill various spots, have the have the bad guys blimps move around. And Mm -hmm. from a thematic point of view, and it's it's not a licensed IP, but they do a great job capturing the pulp, you know, Indiana Jones feel of everything. They even down to the point where, you know, you have a you have you, you fight cliffhangers when you go on when you go diving through the ruins. Right. And if you fail the challenge on the front of the cliffhanger, you don't know if you're actually going to die until the next turn. Because uh, it just flips over and then you have to fight like the, you know, it's, it's literally like, and next time on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they great job doing the thematic part of it. And I, I think Flying Frog does that very well every time. Yeah. Uh, but just keeping track of board state in that game would be so much easier if the computer could do it for me. Yeah, anything with upkeep or with a lot of different um, little... I guess filters that you have to remember or little triggers that you have to remember Mm -hmm. the the digital format is, is excellent for that. Yeah. I mean, even in euphoria where you have to remember all the, the market penalties that you're not in, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have to remember that anymore. The game would tell you when you, when you roll a six, it would, it would ask you which which resource you want to discard. No. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I do think, um, days of wonder has it right though. Um, I know our group, we, couldn't figure out how to play Ascension right until we played the iPad version. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And there was just some rules we got wrong and some timing rules that we got wrong. And it was because they were never expressly written in the rule book. Well, remember that uh-huh. Tim? Yeah, but it was, it wasn't until the iPad version. We actually figured out after a couple of playthroughs. Oh no, there was some of them, like some of the more um, edge case timing rules. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, fair. That, that's, you know, until we saw them happen in the game and how it resolved them, we had no idea how to resolve them uh, correctly in the, in the actual board game. Right. Um, I, I, I don't think Viticulture for it has quite that kind of oddities, uh, cause there's no opportunity for a stack mechanic. Right. That's, but that's true. Yeah. So you're fortunate there. And, and yeah. I, I would also say congratulations. Your rule books are much better than Ascension's first edition rule books were. <laughs> Thank you. We we still make a lot of revisions. Even for the second printing of Euphoria, we're making revisions. And Euphoria, we had so many proofreaders go through that book. Mm-hmm. There's still things that pop up. Um, I'm trying yeah. to remember what game it was we played Saturday. Because Saturday we, we sat down and we – or Sunday, rather. We sat down to play new games. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was Battlestar Galactica. Tim, you had already left for the night. Um, yeah, but I've played a – Crapped on the Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. So speaking of thematic board games and IP-based board games, right? It, right. Uh, did you ever watch that series? Yes, I've, I've watched the series. I, okay. I finally, we have common ground. <laughs> finally, hour in, we have common ground to talk <laughs> on. Okay. So they do a great job capturing the, you know, you're on the run from the Cylons and you have, you know, uh, like the most common um, crisis card that pops up is either food or water shortage. Okay. You know, and it's, you realize it's like that is exactly what happened in this show for the whole damn series, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and our poor president, the person who had the president title, never had a hand after that because every uh, time that would pop up, they'd end up having to lose their most of their hand. Right. Um, every time this happened. But, you know, it was it was all in good fun. And we got to yell at each other for the first half of the game. Say, you're a silent. No, you're a silent. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. One thing I thought was really neat about that one is the traitor mechanic. Mm-hmm. You can actually not know that you're the traitor for the first half of the game. Yeah, that is that's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So that first half of the game, you might know you're a traitor. You might not know you're a traitor. 
Yeah. And, and in the big games, they even have something that's, you know, because you can have multiple traders, but it's possible that both of those trader cards can be dealt to the same person. Right. Oh, interesting. So, okay. Yeah. So it's, that is, that is a possibility. But if that person declares themselves as a trader, as a Cylon, mm-hmm. then they can go into the Cylon ship and secretly give one of their, um, or yeah, mm. they can give one of their loyalty cards mm-hmm. uh, to somebody else. So they can, they can make a Cylon. Right. Right. Or they could give a non-Cylon card to somebody else. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm sure this, the level of suspicion is quite high at the table. Oh, yeah. And even the Cylons don't get to know who each other are. Right. Right. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is very cool. Yes. Uh, it's like the Resistance on Crack. If you ever played that one, that's a lot of good. But it's, oh, mi- yeah. it's a micro game version of it all. Yeah. Um. We talked a long time ago, and Tim, I, I, you may remember this, but it was last year, so I'm not sure if you can remember back that far. Um, we talked about how the I, you know, the computerization of board games, and is that helping or hurting the the hobby? Mm-hmm. And as someone who's doing it, I, I guess you think it's helping. I yeah, I wouldn't do it with viticulture unless I thought it would help viticulture both the the sales of the game and people's experience with the game um even viticulture itself like i i created a wine themed game both because i think wine is interesting and somewhat romanticized but also because i I was hoping to bring some new people to the hobby um, who are maybe a little intimidated by some of the stronger themes in, in many many board games so I mean, that's kind of the idea behind the iPad game. I'm hoping to bring more people to viticulture and to board games in general by giving them a fairly accessible game to try out. Mm-hmm. That's that's my hope, at least. I, I don't know how big it'll, it, it will be. Um, but one thing that I think it will be pretty cool is that it will, the release, at least if we stay on schedule, the release of the iPad game will coincide with the Kickstarter for Tuscany. So if someone wants to find out if they like viticulture, they'll be able to download viticulture within a few seconds and try it on before they back the campaign. So they'll get to, to try it out. Very nice. If and you that, stay on schedule. Yeah. If you stay on schedule. Yeah. Well, schedules are always on track, right, Tim? <laughs> Everything goes according to plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Tim's been trying to be quiet because you guys are actually recording on the same track. Oh, we are. Yeah. And it's just a limitation of how the recording over Skype works. And so I think he's trying not to talk over you. Okay. Is that right, Tim? That, that more or less. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to interrupt because we saw that with where we were all, where I shared a, a track with a guest and it just, every time they would talk, you would just hear this like silence and then this static and it just wasn't good. So, yeah. Huh. But you know, I mean, it's, it, it's not too bad. Cause I mean, I can, I can always edit out. God, editing sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw. I saw. I remember a while back, you actually got a lot of uh, podcasting gear. I did. I you guys inspired me to get the uh, the the blue, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The snowball, snowball, snowball. snowball. Yep. Yeah, it says yeah. blue on it for some reason. Maybe that's the company well, name. I think that's the company. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah they have yeah. the snowball and the yeti, right? That's all blue. They yeah. have snowball, yeti, and Nessie. Are there three? Huh, I feel like I'm in some sort of weird Loch Ness thing. <laughs> nah, it's just how it works. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. 
Hmm. Well, all this stuff's really exciting. We have a, a new Kickstarter starting up in a couple of weeks. Well, about six weeks, like eight weeks, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, it'll be it'll be here before we know it. It's yeah. usually how it goes. <laughs> before we know it, we're gonna be sitting in we're gonna be sitting in that hallway at Gen Con again. It's like, oh, this is where we met. <laughs> I, I hope we're not sitting in a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we no. For, for talking to Jamie, we have to go back to the hallway. The same hallway. The okay. same hallway. Right. The same hallway. Yeah. No. Um. Actually, we 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 did what we were tossing around the idea of trying to get you know together some of the guests we've had over the course of the show for a a group recording of some sort. Oh, cool. Uh, at at Gen Con, you know, uh, you and, and some of the other guests, if you, you know, if if everyone's agreeable to the idea, um, I, I know we had we had some ideas of what we might talk about. Tim, I don't know if we want to talk about those yet. I don't think it was just talking about things. I thought the general idea was we would plop down a board game and all of us would kind of start playing and just let things flow. That was one of the ideas. You know, it's like let's see, uh, let's put all all of us into a big backstab game and see who comes out on top, right? Oh, that could be interesting. That yeah. could be. That could be. Yeah, we'll have, to put, we'll have to put something at stake on that game to see who comes out ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. First first round of drinks. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, another idea we had was doing kind of a um, a draft type scenario where we where we sat around and talked about what our favorite games were. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so, so yeah. those those oh, are some yeah. of the ideas we were talking about. Draft like if you could play five board games in one night, what would they be? Yeah. Everybody and or it's like pick, you know, with three rounds, what's your favorite games kind of things. And yeah, right. Yeah. And it really, it's just an excuse to sit around and talk about stuff we like. Well, that's always the, that's the whole point. <laughs> I, I think that is the whole point of the podcast, isn't it? We get to sit around and talk with really cool people about things we like. And things we enjoy. And other things that as gamers we're passionate about. More or less. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I'm so glad we killed the intro. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, I don't know. I, I guess we're getting to the point where it's time to wrap it up. Or is there anything else you'd like to talk about, Jamie? Um, no, I, I don't know. It's kind of just nice to talk about random games with you guys. I, I, I I've been so focused on Tuscany lately that it's nice just to be to talk about any, any other game. So th- thanks for chatting. Oh no, hey, anytime. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's it for me. Okay. Thank you for having me on here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you could tell us where people could find you online. Sure. On on Facebook, if you search for Stonemeyer Games, we have a, a page on there. I'm on Twitter as Jamie Stegmeyer. And our our blog, which is has a bunch of Kickstarter lessons for other Kickstarter creators, is at StonemeyerGames.com. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I've read through those, uh, at least the recent ones as you posted them, and you got some very interesting insights here and there. On the, and I, I, I've really enjoyed uh, kind of gleaning some something from your from your hard won uh, hard won wisdom. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's I'm I'm glad people have discovered it. Yeah, a- anything you would like to add, Tim? Or no, I'm 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 set. Okay, well then, close this out, man. Oh, okay. Um, okay, um, or not? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I guess it is time to wrap it up. So, you know, yeah, it's, a, it's been great. Act. I think having Jamie on. Oh yeah, big time. It's always interesting to to talk. You know, have a year or two. Well, in this case, it hasn't been a year, but six, six months. months between you know conversations and see how things have progressed and how things have grown and uh, lessons learned from you know when 
Euphoria was still in development to its now its current success. So it's interesting to see everything from that aspect. Yeah. But anyway, that will close out uh, another episode of Epic Turn. Uh, you can find your show notes at epicturn.com forward slash episodes forward slash 22. As always, you can follow us at Epic Turn. Your host can be found at Kelton for Brian and at Telstrom for myself. And always, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Until next time, have an epic turn. Another one in the can, kind of. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, it's been great. Um, definitely appreciate you hanging out and geeking out with us for the last 80 minutes. Yeah. I had a blast, and I'm really curious about Spartacus now. I think I need to try that. Oh uh, well, first you got to go watch at least the first season. Okay, you 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 would you would serve yourself well by watching the first season, and then trying out the game. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's not bad in terms of price either. I think it's like forty forty five or something like that. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that's not yeah, bad. It's, at it's, all. it's pretty it's pretty cheap. Have you guys seen The Wolf of Wall Street? Oh, of course. Oh my God, that film is a that is like all I know about Wolf of Wall Street after watching it and remembering it uh, is horse. I don't remember. I did not see this. Yeah. Oh wow! Congratulations, Jamie. I did a search for viticulture, and uh, the B- the board game geek came up as the second response after the Wikipedia page for viticulture. Yeah, congrats. Either oh, that really? or it's just my the way Google knows me. I don't know. Yeah, but no. Uh, yeah, you got you actually got higher ratings on Board Game Geek for Euphoria than you do for viticulture. Yeah, Viticulture, mm-hmm. I think, is at 7.48, and Euphoria is at 7.78, so it's 30 points higher. Yeah, every morning I wake up, <laughs> okay, that's I was the about, to, I was I about to ask how you knew it so exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. You've yeah, got to read, that, gotta read oh, those Board you know, Game I, Geek reviews. I really wish Board yeah. Game Geek was a, was a more user-friendly site. Yeah, it's taken me forever to figure it out. I'm still learning oh. things. Yeah. Well, no, there was something I was going to say because well, I didn't want the audio to cut out. Another thing with thematic games and what really uh, I think, besides you know, sticking true to the IP, is you uh, <laughs> is some the the avoidance of an IP or avoidance of people buying a game that's based on IP is for the exact reason is you don't want to play something that's going to also tarnish your thoughts about it. Yeah. Right. Is it? Yeah. That's a good point. Cause I've, cause I mean that, I mean, I've seen a couple, I uh, can't think of them off the top of my head, but I remember years ago I'd walk up and down the aisles looking at different board games. I was like, Nope, not touching right. that. Yeah. Right. Mm, not going to happen. And it's not because I didn't, I didn't give it a try or I didn't, you know, get a bad review from someone. It was literally because like, Oh, now I remember there was a Conan one and I'm a big fan of the Conan stories. I've, you know, I've read pretty much everything by Robert Howard. Uh And I just, I saw it. I'm like, there's no way I'm touching that with a 10 foot pole. Right. Nope. 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 And, and that's, you know, I think it's the same thing for any property. Um, well, there's a couple of Lord of the Ring board games that came out over the years, and some of them are really good. However, I've heard the same thing for everybody else. Is like, it's going to have nothing to do with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no, just, it's the same no. reason why I avoid right. just about every franchise-based video game that comes out on the market. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if 
it's like they're trying to have a fun game and they're trying to live up to the the IP that surrounds it, and they seldomly do either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really tough. Yeah, to and, and if you try to sacrifice too, uh, if you try to balance it too well and you aren't really good at what you're doing, if you either hit both or neither, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, very much so. <laughs> like, there's, no, there's no other way around yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sega, I mean, that's how Sega did for a while is they were the ones who made like the, the, the Marvel video game movies and they were, just, I mean, the movie yeah. video games and they were just terrible. So what's after Viticulture right. for you or Tuscany rather? After Tuscany, um, there's a game that I've been developing for a while, but Tuscany mm-hmm. has kind of put it on hold until I have Tuscany ready. And it's a, uh, I guess it's kind, it's kind of a deck building game. Deck building is the core mechanic, but I'm trying to make that make that mechanism make more sense than it does in other deck building games. <laughs> Me and Tim have a love hate um, relationship with deck builders. Yeah. Well, it's not a love hate. Let's let's be more precise here. It's not love hate. It's love for good mechanics. Hate for assholes who say we don't. We know this is going to ruin a whole subset of our fans, and we don't yeah, give a shit. God, I mean. <laughs> I, okay. I have to tell the story. No, I have it. to. I have to tell the story. Yeah, I'm curious. So, so we, you know, we played Ascension a lot, and we both really loved Ascension. I mean, even back in the day, I really loved playing Dominion with a with a good group of friends because yeah. we had fun with it. And you know, Dominion gets really good once you add two or three of the expansion packs, right? Especially Intrigue and Alchemy, uh, really just take Dominion to a, a next level. And we've played so a we lot played Ascension, of Ascension, and, like <laughs> hundreds of games between us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unhealthy, between unhealthy me and Tim, we're probably approaching like a thousand games total. You know, uh, and many of them are wow. iOS based, but still. Well, it used, well yeah, but yeah. there used to be, I mean, there was a point where I would, when I was living near closer to Brian, I would walk to Brian's house and we would just play Ascension for like six or seven hours. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, oh crap, we got we work just sit in the there morning. and be, you know, you know BSing <laughs> um, and having fun with it and just talking over and over and over. But we'd be playing games the whole time. And most of the time, that was Ascension at that point. Wow. And so, and so we finally, um, the, uh, the expansion, their first big base set came out. I uh, can't remember was, any of the names uh, at this point. I haven't, Souls, but, I haven't played uh, I haven't played Ascension since. No, 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 no. It is, it is Storm of Souls. And so they they did a Gen Con tournament and we we're like, oh, there's going to be worlds. Why don't we play in it? Blah, blah, blah. Well, no, wait, it's we kind of Gen Con this year or last year? And, yeah. Uh, uh, two years ago, sorry. Um, and, you know, they, they came out with the expansion because they do what's called, a, they do a base set, they do an expansion, they do a new base, a new expansion. So they do that uh-huh. yearly. And so they released the new expansion set. Well, they're like, well, we don't want to screw over the fans who have only got to play the base. So we're not going to do the expansion in the tournament. Okay. And so we're like, oh, that's great because and if this not, is, that'd this be was when the game was still fun for us. And, so we, you know, we both played. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and we had a lot of fun with it. And we're like, oh, this is really cool. So they released the new set. Uh-huh. And I mean, the new base set. We're like, wow, this is, there's, some, there's some jank in here. This is way faster than any of the other stuff. I mean, like, this is like straight up, like, I like games that are close. Like we were talking about this earlier. We mm-hmm. don't like the ones that are total gaps. I mean, that's one problem I have with Eclipse. And that used to be one of my biggest problems with Twilight Imperium before. Yeah, the third whole edition fixed third a edition. lot of sins with Twilight Imperium. 
Yeah, right. Twilight Imperium used to be like the biggest dread I would ever hear from my friends. Like, it's like playing <laughs> Risk Legacy. Hey, no, I haven't Brian. played that. I just want to it try it. Same reason. <laughs> it's the same reason it takes forever. Mm-hmm. So, well, and it still takes a long time. Uh, but, uh, so one thing they so fixed can, in V3 was you actually yeah. – you're con- you can only do like limited actions each turn, so it's constantly rotating. Right. So you, you your time okay. in between turns, even in a six-player game, is only a few minutes where in V2, you might as well got order pizza between turns. So, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry, back to your we, story. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I like those co- those close games. And that was something essentially yeah, we could Every now and again, do. we'd have a blowout, but it was and, a rarity. Yeah. Right. But now, but now our, our, cause we were playing to prep for Gen Con, we were seeing blowouts every single game. And we're not talking oh. like, Five, ten. We are talking uh, like not that much, but at least at least twenty to thirty points. Wow. Well, no. Yeah. Yeah. Points. Um, uh, no, there's always been a couple of games where you can trounce <laughs> by fifty to hundred points, but it shouldn't be the common. And when we got to Gen Con this year, they threw the expansion in, and at the turn uh-huh. at the tournament at the yeah, tournament, like they announced it the day before. They, they released it and the day before. They had a couple of uh, a couple of tournaments that included it. Before this, like some one on ones and some four on fours. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry, you're gonna hear my dog in the background. I'm he has a cute little corgi. Um, <laughs> but no, and the, then he uh, and then they 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 put out this thing for these for the tournaments, and I played three rounds, I think, in the tournament, maybe four. Yeah, right. Roughly, you were. I, I think yeah, I was so the I last three person or four to rounds, out. and out of my rounds, I think I had one close game. That was actually fun. <laughs> yeah, the rest uh, of them were just like yeah. Like the first game, I was outs. apologizing yeah. to my to my opponent. And in the other yes. games, your opponents was apologizing to you. I, I yeah. Wow. If, if it is so, so obvious that my opponent is not having any fun as I am running an engine all over his face, <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's a problem. Well, it, 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 so the the part where this gets worse is so hey, we man, went I didn't to, get to go I was at Street. PAX. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, so I was at PAX <laughs> and they happen to have a booth because they're promoting Soulforge, which is their online uh, customization, custom, yeah, customizable kind of trading yeah. card game. Yeah, yeah, and so they stop by and. One of the guys is out there uh, promoting it, and one of my buddies is like, what do you think of Ascension? I said, uh, honestly, I think the new base set is a complete piece of crap. Uh-huh. Like, like, I, like, this isn't bitterness at the tournament. It's just that this is from a mechanic mm-hmm. standpoint. From a mechanical standpoint, the game just breaks with the new set. And right. <laughs> the guy goes, well, why do you say that? And I, I just unloaded. Like I started pointing out flaws. Uh-huh. Like when, when on turn one, if I can nearly just shut the game down to where no one can catch up with me on my first turn, we have a huge problem. <laughs> and, and so they they pulled one of their lead designers to come talk to me, and I'm I literally just gave him the sh- I gave him the whole for the word rundown spiel. and. Yeah, the spiel, and I mean, I was I was pointing out things, and the worst part is, is he would acknowledge it, but then the defense that was used to defend the position of the company was the fact that um, the reason that like I'll I'll run it down and why like I can no longer support the company in general is Uh number one, our marketing department made us release the expansion. Well, there's a point where you tell your marketing department this is going to ruin us. 
Right. No. <laughs> the right. second one was second one was well the top pro the the player who's yeah, won he's, literally he's pretty won much like every last single three or four world or, tournaments and they hold two or three a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, he thinks it's balanced and he's, you know, barely won some of them. Like, that's great. That's not a good defense yeah. point for you. Right. And then they're like, right. and then there's and then the last one was, well, we knew this was what it was going to be when we made the set. That's fantastic. Then you shouldn't have held your worlds with a set that was not yeah. fun for well, people. I, I think it's just, right. you know, the priorities right. of the company. And, you know, I hate to talk poorly about these guys because I really like I loved Ascension and I loved the first several sets. But in the second block, I think it was, I, I literally had a turn take 35 real minutes. Yeah, that was that was in the yeah, second block I mean, when everything I, was released. I literally had a turn that took 35 real minutes of me constantly playing cards. Yeah. And and then in the third block, once everything was released, well, you could was, literally – It was much faster, but it was uh, re- even more one-sided. Yeah, like I the, – the first game I played, I unloaded after four turns, four or five turns, and I was pulling 30 or 40 honor. I, I pulled 30 honor in that turn, and that literally shut the game down. Like there was no coming back. Like my opponent just sat there and was like, you know, well – and they said they said they, they literally the guy and I'll quote is said we knew this was going to happen we wanted a more bursty kind of game and my and my retort was bursty for who because once one person bursts there's usually no coming back well yeah sometimes well, I, that happens I, I think the problem here uh, is that these were the guys who were pro magic players and they wanted to right. you know and and in the magic scene, you know, I, I was in there a long time. Tim was been there a long time. I don't know if you played Jamie, but okay. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I still play online. you know, it's very common that uh, people give up halfway through a game because they feel like they aren't winning. And that's just accepted practice. Or you yeah. go into a tournament and you lose twice and you go and you sign up for the next tournament. Yeah. Yeah, or exactly. And you know, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so this is like the distillment of that philosophy. Into one, right. into a one-sided fun fest that is absolute misery for the next player, and then they go on. And being a type of gamer where I want to have a close fight, and I want to drag it out, yeah. and punch it until the last minute, that's not fun for me, even if I'm winning, because I literally feel bad for my opponent. Oh, right. That's oh. actually kind of how I felt with Eclipse the other day when we were do- we had the two really weak players by the end. I. I wanted to attack them strategically, but I didn't. That's, I wanted them to have a good time yeah. for the final ninety minutes of the game. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, Jamie. That's that's the one problem with Eclipse in general is yeah. it it suffers from that aspect. Is if anybody gets behind, they can't catch up, yeah. and that's and that's just the problem yeah. with Eclipse. It, it yeah, just, okay. <laughs> at at a mechanical level, that's how that works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is usually the loser players form alliances and they either help each other or they king make. That's how it usually goes. Right. So yeah. I played it. I played a couple games. I've played a four or five on my iPad now, and that's and, usually and that's how that I, ends. I did not see that so really? much in Twilight Imperium and the games I've played. Again, I haven't played a lot, but um, yeah, Brian, Brian. Twilight Imperium suffers from the same thing as Second Edition, so I, I would be very impressed. What I have noticed is, like, third. unless you really gang up and you just your your goal is to just wipe somebody off the board, eventually you're going to weaken yourself mm-hmm. enough fight like wearing your opponent down 
that the other players that you're going to become a right. target for the other players and they're going to ignore the weak guy because and then they're going to waste themselves against you. And so you have this kind of cycle where everybody's wasting it, you know, wasting the strongest players. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's uh, yeah. So it sounds like they've well, maybe patched a little bit of yeah. The, t- the, 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 the game issues. flow is a lot uh, more level. It's not so you know five minutes of activity and then 10, 20 minutes of waiting. It's a lot more leveled out. And then um, this is I, I think you know if as long as you have some good strategists on the board, you're going to see that thing where it's like, well, if I attack him and I overcommit, I'm going to be vulnerable, and then somebody's just going to come in and attack me on the back end. And it is right. cheap enough to buy the the cheapest fighters. Right after a few tech upgrades, are some of the most deadly units on the board because they you can you can mm-hmm. make them cheap, you can make a lot of them, and they will peck apart even the like Death Star that your opponents put on the field. Yeah, and uh, right, I, I really made one of our other friends angry when I blew up his Death Star with my fighters. <laughs> or, sorry, War Sun, <laughs> not Death Star, War Sun. Yes, right. War Sun. Yeah, it's copyrighted. <laughs> Disney don't sue. Um, but no, I mean, deck builders are I, the hardest part about deck builders from, from what I see from all the ones I played. I mean, at this point, if there's a deck builder, I probably have played it if it's on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the, the, I think the hardest part with deck builders is you either have to make the choice early on, on how to do how your resources are going to work, or right. you've got to figure out your victory conditions very early. Because, for example, Dominion, you know, you're trying to hit 17, which is easy. Well, is it 17 or 21? Is it 15? Shit. Uh, victory points that you have to do. No, no, Dominion is when you empty two piles. Sorry. Right, yeah, you, yeah. you yeah, yeah. total points at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's when you, like, so that one, it balances out for a lot of things, especially when you do the the randomizer. Yeah. Uh, but things like Ascension, you're, if they do a two-resource pool, you have to worry about your players making two resources and balancing between the two resources, and now they have three resources, yeah. which is even worse. Well, right. and then you have, uh, um, you have and then, the other flip of that where you have DC, which is just one resource, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Is that you, Either you do a simplified resource system and make the deck buying really easy, um, and it's very like the single resource, as I've found from playing games like, uh, well, DC deck builders, pretty much the only one that's on the market that does it that way, um, is it's very easy and very easy. Like it's, you could, a four year old could pick it up, which is nice, um, because they can grasp the concept of a single number. Um, but I guess then you also have to look at, are you going to do randomizers like Penny Arcade or, um, Dominion? Or are you going to, are you going to do victory conditions where you empty mm-hmm. a pool or you have to achieve a pool? I mean, there's a lot of deck builders, but the one thing I've seen that more people enjoy is the single resource. Like I've, I've now sat and played uh, with people who've now played Star Trek, which uh-huh. is the same system as Resident Evil. I don't know if you tried that one out, I haven't which is a, uh, is a nine board. So it's a three by three grid that you buy from. And then your objective is to kill. Well, okay, the we're talking about the deck building version, not the um, team up version of Star Trek. And uh-huh. then it's get get the the first person two hundred victory points wins. Okay, and you're just buying stuff and destroying stuff, um, which is great. I mean, it's pretty easy, but that's a four resource system. Right. Um, same thing is true for Resident Evil, and that's really good in some aspects, but uh, it's very hard for a lot of people to pick up and roll with it because, again, you're managing four resources. Um, Ascension was really good in its early set 
But the problem you run into is <laughs> expanding on that when you're ready to do it is you have a lot more balancing yeah. issues. And right. yeah. that what, can be a, a huge issue. Uh, but a lot of people can pick up the first Ascension yeah. set and just What about roll trains? Have you tried nice. that one yet? Uh, right. So I, I think trains yes, is one of my favorite trains. deck builders here recently because it's not just a deck builder. Deck builder. Yeah, yeah it's a deck builder. With Although the I, I think the expansion pack for trains is right. going to fix my biggest complaint about it. And that's the fact it doesn't scale well with the number of players. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have yeah. you played a two player yeah. game of trains? Yeah. So with a two, no, only with four. a two player, yeah. play two with a two player game, <laughs> you, you basically, you never interact with the other person on the board. Until the end. Yeah. They should have included a small. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's what the expansion, I think I heard that's what the expansion is doing. Yeah. So, uh, I was talking to Todd about it off and on when he, when I saw it pop on Twitter, uh, uh they, so th- this is already out in Japan. Like yeah. trains has been out for a while. Um, so it's a two player variant that adds eight to 12 new cards. Well, card packs, obviously. Um, and there's a, there's two, two player. There's, well, there's a player. They, there's one double-sided two player map. So, and then they do an also one that's customized for three and one for four. Okay. So they're, they're making it to where you actually get a, the bang for your buck. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's the problem with that deck builder. Um, there's also the reverse deck builder, which I, I you know, yeah. we, I'm not sure that's the right term for it, really, but by... have you played Miskatonic? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm very aware of it, but no, I'm oh, yeah. sorry. It's, it's really funny. Like, like, it's like, have uh, you played this one? Have you played this one? Have you played this one? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a reverse deck builder, and and I, I like the aspect of it because you're building your opponent's deck while you're building your own. Right. And it's it's a really neat concept that I wish I would see more games with that. One hundred percent. I didn't. Know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting mechanic that mm-hmm. no one else has really done. Um, and, the, and, and, and to give you them. more details about that, uh, the in other, case you please want to copy this, please, 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 um, is every turn you have to buy a card for your deck, at least one. Right. And you have to buy a teacher card for your opponent's deck. And, and the teacher card. Right. Yeah. And the teacher card gets, is, is, the, is the mobs. They have their, their students have to fight. And, um, okay. Yeah, and even if you it's, can't it's afford really to buy a teacher or a, um, there is two different resources in this game and, but some wow. cards can produce a, uh, either or. So it, it's. Friendship. Yeah. It's friendship. Which, hey, and it's madness. Cthulhu. Go figure. Um, you know, but the thing about it is like, right. even if you can't afford to buy one, you automatically put one in to your opponent's deck. Right. So you automatically put is a substitute oh, teacher okay. is the card. And then there's an exchange student. That's a, the free and yeah, well, free student. And neither of those yeah, are very dangerous or good cards, but they're just one. annoying. Cause they get, they fill up your deck if you don't manage your resource as well. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, the other, the other kind that uh, there's another one from Japan called um, I haven't played that Sumi one Goddess, which is a that one's a team based deck builder, which was really okay. really cool. So you, it's a two versus two. I mean, you could do as an arena, which is uh, free for all, but the mode they yeah. want you to play it in is two v two, and you select a major god and a minor god, and they have two pantheons in, out in America, but they have more in Japan. But uh, for the sake of the piece that comes together is it's hmm. Norse versus Greek. And so one player selects the the big baddie badass like yeah, Zeus. It's B.A. for short. Or Odin. Uh-huh. And it, 
<laughs> and then you pick a minor one like uh, I forgot who the ones are for the Greeks in there because we played like the Cupid? battle royale. Would he be a minor? And he, so he, one, he would be a minor god. Cupid, yeah, Cupid. Yeah, Cupid would probably be one. I'd have to pull it back out. Um, but then what you do is one person is your supporting player and one person is your major, and you're all buying at the same time. Like one team goes, they buy. Then the next team goes, they buy. And then the, you have to balance. Do you do you take down the primary god and let the support because then the support can come in and clean you up as well. Like they can come right. in and attack you, and you're just like, well, crap. And then each god has unique abilities. Like uh, I played uh, Hades, and one of the cards that was so broken in our free for all is the fact that anytime an opponent dis- discarded a card, I could take it for mm-hmm. free if I wanted to. So, uh-huh. yeah, it was kind of a little broken. But I mean, we uh-huh. had a lot of fun doing the the two v two, doing the the primary and secondary, besides the arena. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting uh-huh. different mechanic uh-huh. as well. So. I mean, there's still there's still innovation for the deck builders, but I mean, there's somewhere it's like you know when you copy. Uh, it's like, one eh. thing I wish more games would do is making me feel like every card is broken. I think that'd be very. Well, that's kind of the point, balance. right? If every card's broken, it's inherently balanced. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not how that works. Like if I had a card that said discard your whole hand and you're not allowed to redraw, yeah, that's that's OP and you yeah. ain't recovering. And I get another turn. Oh wait, well, I drew another card. They have to be rare enough, but yeah, that's I don't know. I mean, maybe not every card, but I wish. I don't know. I like the whole super powerful cards, but they are so hard to balance, y'all. They probably should not exist in any game. Yeah. Well, then we should all just have you know. Then we should all just. I'm go more back of a fan of hearts game. myself. <laughs> Because there, I'm trying not to get points. <laughs> right. uh, we're I can play spades. spades, but really, if we're going to play spades, I'd rather play rook. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it, Jamie. Or, we need a game yeah. that uses the rook deck as the central deck. The rook deck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, actually, Jamie, have you got to then, sorry, the last deck builder that I think is a lot of fun that I, I, I've been having a ton of fun with. That, that was the game I was trying to think of when you asked me that question. I couldn't draw it out of my head was, oh uh, the i played game, that which is a deck builder yeah i've read a ton about it i haven't played it but it, yeah that's a fascinating right. structure it's a i love the structure of the pathfinder card game especially the yeah, the persistent characters between the them between games just sounds really mm-hmm. cool yeah i've read multiple reviews where people say the same thing and i want people to say this about our games where they play a game and they want to play again right away because they want to see how those new changes affect the next game and i love that feeling when you play a game and, and you're like i just want to play again <laughs> is, is, is that a hint of what's coming in your that, next game that's what well i'm hoping to incorporate that element into the into the nice. deck building game that i'm making i don't know if it'll quite have legacy elements like that but <laughs> that'd be pretty maybe, cool. maybe a little bit of that well i mean a great example is we played on Christmas and we played the first round and we were like, okay, we got to go to the movie. And as we're driving back, my, my brother in the backseat goes, so we're going to play that when we get back to the house, right? Uh-huh. We, we can. He's like, we're playing this when we get back to the house, right? We can. And it was like, the it was like, are we there yet? Until we got home. And then as soon as we stepped through, he goes, can we play again? Yeah. So what do you think taps into that? Why, why is that? Um, I think the 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 big mechanic of getting to cross over because we only did the this the beginning adventure we didn't even crack out the actual adventure decks we just did the one that comes with the box even though I have all of them uh-huh. <laughs> it was still like we only have so much time in a day to do anything and uh, the fact that you know if you complete the mission 
you they give you a bonus. Right. And then you're also acquiring loot the whole time you're playing. So like for example, my brother played a source oh no, sorry. He played the the fighter and there was an armory and he was able to load up on weapons to, for combat. And so uh-huh. he's like, I want to be able to use these weapons. Yeah. So I, I think it is that legacy right. mechanic right. I think so, you're talking about where the, the actions of the first game uh, affect either the difficulty or the challenges and whatnot of the secondary game. Yeah. The How only carries over from game to game. Uh, that depends on, uh, that depends on how you record your stuff. So okay. the, so the front card, you can increase your skills, but the back of the card is you can increase your, um, well, your character creation, if you will. Okay. And you, when you say like, you need to start at like, you know, we decide that we're going to do the first adventure deck. We can either say, write down all the spells you have and keep track of all your inventory. And actually Pezo now, uh, you can go on the website and print out character sheets <laughs> for awesome. just the card game. <laughs> okay. Um, where you can write down like, like for example, I played, um, I played a wizard uh, when I was at the, our local role-playing guild that I'm part of down in Florida. Um, they, we played and um, you know, you can, you can write all that down and it's not, you know, you can do that, but most people they'll just flip over on the back and see how many check marks you have, uh-huh. which by the way, don't mark your cards. <laughs> just saying, uh, the character sheets are actually the best idea. Pezo did. They should have actually included him with the game, right? Uh, and so then, like the next time we all get together, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to play my wizard again. Which, by the way, I, you know, if everybody saw this, I spent one of my uh, XP points on uh, making it to where I can now have start a hand with seven spells. Uh-huh. And right. so I would, I get to build seven spells out instead of six. And so that means I have one extra hit point for the, you know, their hit point mechanic. I have one extra hit point and that's nice. But the way you're supposed to do it and the way, you know, most people do is they treat it like a campaign where you write down everything you had before you guys ended so that, you know, because when you build a character, you can only use the basic. They have keyword basic on it. So you cannot. So say like we were on an adventure and I went to the library and during the course of doing all the checks, I accrued, I, yeah, I accrued four new spells with elite keyword on them. Well, if we say we don't get to keep all our stuff. I have to recreate my character. I lose those four spells. Hmm. So, so Tim, so Tim, so, next, next I mean, week or this weekend, rather when we get together, you're bringing Pathfinder and Terra Mystica. I have no idea. I don't own those two games. Sheet. I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I, I, I own Terra Mystica. I have opened Terra Mystica and uh, kind of cried a little bit at the amount of pieces <laughs> in Terra Mystica. Yeah, yeah. Terra, Terra Mystica is also scale. The amount of time spent on the board game scales with mm. the number of players. That can be right. It actually, it's it's actually says forty five x. So for Holy every player, crap. have forty five minutes. Yes, it's 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 a two hour game, a little over two hours if you play with the full. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of insane. And it'll be our first time playing it. So four hours. Yeah. Bring it over in a bottle of tequila and let's do this. <laughs> no, um, no, it's definitely one of those things. Like the the other one I, I really want to play is Letters to Whitechapel. Like I really, really want to play the that Jack one. The Ripper That's one, right? the Yes. Yes. Because I hear it's just so much fun. Yeah. The win rate of Jack the Ripper versus the investigators. Was it Jack is the Ripper wins seventy percent? Wow, wow, that's like um, yes. What was that game we played? I was on uh, where the board wins most of the time. Oh, uh, Shadows over Camelot. 
Uh, uh, yeah, we yeah. played that for yeah, the first Shadow time as a group lot, yeah. on yeah. Sunday as well. Yeah. Yeah, Days of Wonders. We lost. Best trade backstab game ever. It was bad. Horribly. <laughs> I think that's good, though, if, if a cooperative game is, is hard enough that you only win well, 40% of the time. But that's not... Well, Letters to Whitechapel, though. Letters to Whitechapel. Letters right. to Whitechapel is a is player. a GM is a GM. Oh, yeah, game, I don't like so. GM ran games because right. GM always cheats and wins. Tim, I do not cheat and always win. I just didn't <laughs> scale down heroes hero quest. Yeah, that we're sitting there with a two player game, and he throws everything at, at, like for a four player game at us, and we're like, ah, there, "There's no way we can win." We made it through like the first room and died. Yeah. Oh wow! And, and uh, okay that's why that. that was the last game of um, <laughs> request we played. Hero Quest. <laughs> oh yeah, I've just thought of another deck builder. You should also look at Thunderstone. That's a cooperative you versus the board. I deck like cooperative versus really really the board games. They they really are neat, and I do like the GM yeah. style games too. Um, I wish the level seven one was a little bit easier to get our teeth into. Uh, the level seven yeah. what was it. Omega That's Protocol, yeah. Yes, yeah. Omega Protocol. Yeah, we, we had been sitting around deck, enjoying some adult beverages one day, and we're like, let's play the new level seven. And we pull it out, and we pull out the rule book, and we start going through the pieces, and we're like, let's play this another day. And we put it back in the box and walk <laughs> Right. Brian, please define adult um, beverages. Adult beverages. Because I consider a root beer when float you use an real adult beer, beverage. It is. <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but yes, now that I'm not afraid of, you know, ripping through your audio track, uh, Jamie, it was actually great to have you back. No, and show, and a, a good yeah. chunk of this conversation we'll is going to end up in the phone. actual yes. episode when we are after the, the outro. Yeah. <laughs> Edits. <laughs> yes. After after all the editing. No. But oh. yeah. All right, but guys. Yeah, no. We'll have a good night, and oh, hopefully, we'll talk uh, between oh, yeah, no, absolutely, and Matt Gen Con. Oh, we, oh, we will absolutely. And oh, I'm, I'm looking forward. You, you can already count in at least one backer for the Tuscany. Awesome. Two. Well, Two. there we go. Four. Two. What are you talking about? I want. There I want my own copy of Viticulture. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Jamie. And you have a good night, man. You too. Bye. All right, guys. Take care. Bye, Jamie. Bye. Right, see ya.